Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Garrison started talking about crimes, and so I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on pressing the record." <laughs> I didn't mention yeah, yeah. crime at all. Actually, that's that was true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. James said the word mm-hmm. crimes, and James I was is like, the one yeah. that brought up doing crimes. I would never talk about doing crimes. Oh, welcome to yep. it could happen here, yeah. where we never talk about right. anything illegal. Um, yeah. With with us today is myself, Garrison, uh, James Stout, and Mia Wong. That's right. We are talking about crimes today, actually, uh, but we're not doing any crimes, uh, crucially, because we never would. Yeah, like, like for, for for example, well, actually, I don't I don't know if it's technically illegal to to, to talk about jury nullification on air. I I don't I I know I I don't think they can stop you from saying the words. I think they can. I think I think you you don't have the right to do it, but you have the ability. I think is the way a lawyer mm. explained it to me. But they also said, uh, I'm not your lawyer before that. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably said you shouldn't be describing how to do jury notification or uh, Googling it if, if that's in your future. Stay tuned for our, our upcoming episode. How to, <laughs> yeah, how to, how to nullify yourself. How to nullify jury your jury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How to nullify your jury. Uh, and that will be our final episode. Okay, uh, so now we're not talking about jury duty today. Uh, we are talking about crime. The people doing the crime in this episode, shockingly, are the cops. So I want to start on October twenty eighth, twenty sixteen. Uh, some of you can probably cast your mind back then, the the, the last week of the pre Trump era. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so inside the captain's office at the sheriff's station of Rancho San Diego, one of the most expensive zip codes in the country, Captain Marco Gamo was making a deal. Gamo, along with Giovanni Tilotta, who's a licensed San Diego gun dealer, sold a Glock handgun, an AR-15 style rifle, and a Smith & Wesson handgun to local defense attorney Vikas Bajaj inside Gamo's office. 
Gamo coordinated backdated paperwork to avoid the 10-day waiting period required by California law for handgun purchases and supplied Bajaj with misappropriated San Diego Sheriff's Department-issued ammunition. Oh, fun! <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, so he's he's really thriving uh, in his side hustle here, Marco Gamo. I've used the word misappropriated because that's what the DOJ used. Uh, I'm guessing the uh, the more vernacular term would be stolen here. I think I think he's... So when, when you say issued, is is this ammo that, like, like was supposed to be given to a cop or is this stuff they had an impound uh no i think it's supposed to be given to a cop i think (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah i think he's good i think he's gone into the armory and just grabbed a few boxes of ammo and stole them (laughs) cops have just turned into the afghan army it's amazing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the ana they've got the uh what's that that guy who had the like hell he had their like night vision on backwards or something that was that was the taliban guy um yeah interestingly yeah what they have in the compound, Mia, is another story that maybe we should do another day. I also PRA'd that, like the weapons that are impounded. Jesus Christ, they have some shit. Uh, like they have like a full auto shotgun, uh, like, a, huh. like a, a bunch of NFA items. And they keep them all for like lab testing in theory. Like uh-huh. so they can so they can be like, oh, well, this person was shot. What does that wound look like? Well, let's get our armory out from the fucking and shoot some ballistics gel and see if that helps us. And it's what, it's like that Sorry. scene from 2008's The Dark Knight where Christian Bale as Batman <laughs> fires a ridiculously <laughs> loud gun in a sealed bunker, absolutely destroying both his and Alfred's hearing for the entire rest of the movie, which is why they make so many bad choices. Fascinating, yeah. It's, I didn't know there was a character called Alfred in Batman. Yeah. They really welched him on the names, because, like, Batman is a cool name, the Joker, cool name. Wait, Fucking did you, Alfred. Did you not know about Alfred? Do you not know no. who Alfred Pennyworth is? <laughs> no. He's the one British character in Batman. He is your culture. When people think of British people, they think of Alfred J. Pennyworth. No, my wow. culture is not a costume, Garrison. Well, I have bad, I have bad news. <laughs> no, they disgusted that this is the point of reference, not one of our many wonderful modern British role models. Alfred's would... great. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, no. Uh, okay he is moving. a working class hero he was a he was a wait our but, butlers oh, are working no. class right oh god let's cut this discourse off very quickly <laughs> i would say petty bourgeois but <laughs> yeah it's kind of complicated because you're like working directly for a billionaire uh, and you're living in the billionaire's house and you're ooh. living a very upper class life but uh, you still are working uh, it's kind of complicated well, what is your relationship to the means of production though uh, oh that this wow well, but it's all service. Sec- like I, I don't know. I feel like we have to do a divide here between, like, because I, like I think I think the gender division of labor between maid and butler is very important. Mm. I love that we're debating how if Alfred is based or not. Based on- yeah, yeah. So you can find Garrison on Twitter at I write okay. All right, so okay. we've made it to paragraph two, everyone. <laughs> In February of 2019, federal agents executed a search warrant at the Rancho San Diego Sheriff Station. Later that year, they arrested Captain Marco Gamo. In 2021, Gamo pleaded guilty to trafficking over 100 guns, which were deemed unsafe for civilians. Uh, his sentence, I shouldn't say civilians, because cops are also civilians, right? But uh, non-cops. At his sentencing, the judge said, Gamo was almost becoming a mob boss of sorts. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> what you want to strive for as a, as a sheriff's uh, captain. 
Gamo admitted to engaging in straw purchases, which is buying guns with the intent of transferring them to someone else. He also acknowledged tipping off an illegal marijuana dispensary that was about to be searched uh, in um, order to be based. Nothing this guy did is, in, is, is inherently wrong. Uh, it's the fact that he only did it to certain people. Um, so that was his cousin who owned the marijuana dispensary. Uh, he, he was also engaged in illegal consulting with other dispensaries, which I don't what? fully understand. Yeah, I'm guessing his consulting emerged to being like, hey, the cops are on their way tomorrow. Uh, maybe stop being a dispensary by the time they arrive. Yeah, that seems like a that 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 that, that seems like a very classic. The cops take a cut kind of yeah, arrangement yeah, that they're yeah, calling yeah. consultancy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of the things in this GOJ thing are like uh, really fantastically phrased. So Gamo and his co-defendant uh, Wail Will Anton also helped paying clients skip the waiting list for a difficult to obtain concealed carry permit. As part of this scheme. Anton took a legal cash payment to a county clerk who ensured favorable treatment for his clients. Uh, Gamo might have flown a little too close to the sun with this one, but it's not actually that unusual for gun laws to have carve-outs for rich people. Um, often those carve-outs don't involve cops stealing ammo, but it's pretty easy if you're wealthy enough to work your way around uh, firearms legislation, which is kind of what I want to get into today. So while Gamo did go to jail for gun trafficking, and multiple other crimes he was doing. Uh, the sale of so-called off-roster firearms by law enforcement officers in California is relatively common, and there's not much that's been done to prevent it since Gamo was arrested. So to understand this, I think you have to understand California's incredibly complicated firearms laws, which probably requires like an undergraduate degree. But to give a brief summary, California introduced its gun roster in 2001. And like many of our laws, it has its roots in entrenching systemic inequalities. In this case, legislators were trying to ban something called a Saturday night special. And uh, people know people know what that is? No. It's it's a small concealable affordable handgun. Um it's like there there were this there was this these guns that came out in like the 80s and 90s that were like super small, very cheap, very simple, uh, very concealable. And are they also uh, shit? Well, that, that's the thing, right? So this is really fascinating. So in practice, right, these were at least culturally associated with like black communities, right? That that's you see them in in sometimes like certainly like there was a stigmatic reference to like it's disease guns that is causing violence and we're not going to fucking look at inequality at all right we're just going to ban the guns are they shit is an interesting question because california introduces legislation which said that handguns had to be drop safe so that means you can drop them and they can't go off that that is generally a desirable feature in a handgun yeah. uh, able to fire 600 rounds without uh, more than six malfunctions and have a manual safety device. Um, later on, they added another thing that would make the gun only fire when it had a magazine inserted. Uh, and the, so they, they put all these rules in place and had said manufacturers had to submit guns for testing. All the guns they were going after passed the testing. So I guess they're not as shit as... Uh, Hmm. As, as one one has suspected, uh, which is kind of like that 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 is the intent. Uh, they are laboring under that misapprehension, but it seems like these guns, which are very cheap, uh, actually pass the testing just fine. So if you look at the California roster, so once those guns have passed that testing, right, they go on a roster, um, and that roster, like it's done by skew, so like by the individual uh, code that's given to the gun. 
and you could look up the California roster. It's online still, and like there are hundreds of cheap small handguns that are on it. Um, so they they failed in that regard. Um, but they, they created this kind of bizarre system where most manufacturers had to make a California compliant model if they wanted to sell in California, right? Because it had to have a um, this magazine disconnect, which means that the gun won't fire without the magazine in it, which is not a usual thing for semi-automatic handguns to have. Like uh, if you are outside of California and you have like a, a normal, like a Glock, for instance, it doesn't have that, but you would need one that did in California. Um, so that means that these guns are going to have a much, much smaller economy of scale, right? They're going to be more expensive. Manufacturers also have to pay for the testing and submit three models. Uh, so what it de facto means is that fewer guns are available in California. But it doesn't really become a big issue until 2013 when the DOJ in California add a micro-stamping requirement. But they added it earlier, actually, but in 2013 they certified it was possible for micro-stamping to happen. Wait, sorry, can I, can I ask something? But So is, is the roster the yeah. list of guns you're allowed to buy? Yes. Okay. And if it doesn't appear on the roster, we're going to get into that. You can actually buy it, but you can't buy it new from a store. So I, you can buy it used. Uh, and there are two ways that these used handguns can enter the state, right? One of them is if you move to the state. So let's say uh, Garrison moves to uh, LA, right? And they bring with them... Horrifi- horrifying. Yeah, just, 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 just to enjoy. Just, just, just like a Vulcan minigun. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they bring with them an M1 Abrams tank. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, it's it, our balloon shooting gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone on the West Coast has to have one now. Um. So it's actually different for rifles, sadly, but they bring with them pistols uh, and those pistols are not on the California roster. They can keep them and they can sell them right, to, to a California resident. The other way that these guns can enter and be sold is cops are exempt from the roster, right? So, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say cops, I am speaking in the broadest possible terms because a variety of peace officers are exempt to include employees of the California State Horse Racing Board. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm saying park rangers can do this, right? I I think it depends what you are within the park ranger, uh, within the park. And it seems to be that there is actually a list that's in the legislation, but it seems to be largely like at the discretion of of the gun shop, like in practice. They could get in trouble, but like... I've heard of like firefighters and EMTs being able to purchase off roster guns, which is fucking not in the yeah. legislation. Like, uh, it is also kind of funny, but like, um, in theory, it would depend on like what unit you're in, or they could contact your like park ranger office and be like, "Hey, this this girl is trying to buy a gun. Like, <laughs> does she use this at work?" Because the idea is that they would they would have the most up to date weapons to carry at work, right? Or that they could buy themselves, even though they get issued guns. So like if you, if you need a gun as a cop, you get issued a gun, right? Um, so what it means in practice is that there's a thriving market in offer us to firearms, but there's also a massive price premium, right? They often sell for two or three times their MSRP, even though they're used. Um, and I did a little digging into this uh, and I looked at... Um, one particular item, which was a P365, a SIG P365, which is a fairly like a popular pistol, right? But after 2013, California doesn't didn't allow any new guns to be added to the roster unless they micro-stamp their bullets. Micro-stamping is a little feature where the firing pin of the gun 
stamps the casing, not the bullet, with a little tiny little tiny stamp, which is unique to the gun, right? Or it stamps it with the serial number of the gun. So in theory, this would allow you to pick up the casings at a murder scene and be like, huh, well, they were fired from this gun and this gun is registered to this person. Therefore, we got someone to talk to, right? Pick up the casings. Yeah, it, it, right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely no ways around this. Uh, Although, I mean, admittedly, admittedly, the, the one one thing I've learned over the years is that people yeah. are really lazy when they're doing crimes. And so, so true. So true. You can be slightly mm-hmm. less lazy and get caught significantly yeah. less. It's, that is that is yeah, that it, is my biggest my biggest advice to the illegalists. Literally, think five minutes beforehand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Also, uh, don't tweet your crimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever <laughs> ever green statement yeah yeah it's one of our mottos here uh you could also just use a revolver i guess and that wouldn't eject the casings but um the the because there are no guns so in 2013 right the doj says you are not allowed to add a gun to the roster unless it micro stamps and we we've decided that micro stamping is possible. No firearms manufacturer will make a gun that micro stamps because other states will require all guns to micro stamp once that technology is available. So they <laughs> just don't build it. So they just don't do it. Yeah, it, it is. It is very funny. It, it's like the car companies just being like, "Fuck it, you know what? If we put airbags in that bad boy, <laughs> they're going to make us put airbags in all the cars." You know, th- this is a thing that I- I've run into a lot. I think is really interesting, which is like, okay, th- the specific combination of regulatory state and corporations being required to do a thing gives you a bunch of really, really weird, like, outcomes that are, like, not what you would expect when you're writing the legislation, which makes them ineffective. Like, I mean, I, like, the most famous one is, like, the Clean Air Act actually worsened air quality for a huge amount of time because they put in this exception for, like, existing coal facilities under the assumption that people would just, like you know, build new coal facilities and thus yeah. be like, and thus like have better, like clean cleaner technology. And no one just, no one ever did. They just left these old coal facilities running or the other one. Like everyone always talks about those, like those fucking, the, like why, why the giant SUVs keep getting bigger. And yeah. the reason for that is actually, I mean, it kind of is sort of fascist psychosis, but like the, the actual reason for that is Obama era pollution controls on cars, right? Had they had these yeah. fuel emission standards, but the larger your car is like the worst fuel emission standards are. So they keep, so, okay. In order to get around the fuel emission <laughs> things, they just keep making just bigger cars, make it bigger. Amazing. Yeah. And, and th- this shit just like, I don't know. Th- this is, this is, I think a pretty good argument against it, like against a sort of regulatory state being able to contain like capitalism doing horrifying shit is like every single time someone tries to make an air pollution thing, it just makes it worse. Yeah, they just create perverse incentives to do something which is like just stupid and polluting, as opposed to yeah, or they polluting. just don't comply. Like it was with the microscope yeah. thing, they're just like, no, like yeah. this, like yeah. you simply will not. Yeah, the specific interaction of like people who elevate them, who who make it to the California legislature on one hand, and gun companies on the other hand, just leads to this complete intransigence where like any time a law is written, it is like someone has found an end run or a loophole before it comes into practice. Do you know what won't illegally smuggle, oh, legally smuggle guns into California and sell them for two to three times a retail price, Mir? Is it all the firms that are uh, doing child trafficking? And That's right, the Washington State Highway Patrol. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. 
And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back, uh, and we're talking about uh, cops selling guns for a lot of money in Southern California. So, big uh, Marco Gama wasn't the only cop who chose a life of crime, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> who could have <laughs> Yeah, because every other one did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shockingly enough, uh, the, this practice is pretty common. So a Gardena police officer in 2021 was also convicted of making 41 illegal off-roster sales in a year. Uh, and at least six LA officers have been found to be engaged in legal firearms transfers, according to a 2021 LA Times investigation. So that, that, that's eight in a single year, if you're keeping track. And it's pretty common to see people like posting about this, like 
like uh if if you go on to like this California guns forum where people will be like where they sell guns right where you, they don't you don't actually sell the guns on the internet because that's illegal but people will post it and then say meet me at this gun dealer and we'll do the background check uh and you'll see people being like oh like I'm LEO I have a friend who's LEO and like happened to be selling this gun new in package I bought it to carry it on patrol but I decided I didn't like it you know like that that's the the, the theoretical canard here right oh god <laughs> Okay, the thing this reminds me of specifically is is a, is a very very weird use case of like people in Magic the Gathering tournaments where you're you're not legally allowed to both draw and split the prize money, so you have to say this incredibly complicated series of sentences where you're like, <laughs> I want to draw, and then new conversation, can we split the prize money? It's like <laughs> I have to I have to like say this exact series of words in order to make it clear that I'm not doing exactly what I'm doing and breaking the law. Yeah. It- this is how the law works, right? Like, it always ends up being some kind of, like, totemistic magic incantation that you can say, and then the thing that they're trying to fucking stop obviously no longer applies to you and you can do what you want. Like, it, it, it's incredibly asinine. Uh, so, uh, in mid-2021, I tried to... I wanted to get a sense, right, um, when I was doing this, of how many of these off to guns there are in California, uh, to get a sense of, like exactly how much of a farce the attempt to create this roster has been. So uh, I've been going after this for a while, but in the middle of 2021, there was an assembly bill passed called Assembly Bill 2699, if you're interested. And uh, the bill required the Department of Justice to send a letter to owners of off-roster weapons, which California officially calls unsafe handguns. Uh, to remind the people who own them of the laws surrounding them and to whom they could transfer them, right? Uh, I first became aware of this letter because someone decided to post it online. Uh, and that kind of gave me an opening where... Because I can't PRA the names of the people who own the guns, right? Or even where they live, because obviously that's protected information and it probably should be. And I don't think that information is even actually stored by the state. But I can PRA the letters they sent out. Uh, so PRA is a public records act request, right? Uh, it's what people might know as a FOIA. Uh, and so I did that and it took me more than a year and it cost me more than a hundred bucks. But eventually I managed to get the DOJ to uh, to send me the information, which showed that at least at the time I got it, which is the middle of 2021, 4,510 firearms have been obtained uh, by the subsection of the law that allows exemptions for police officers uh, there are some other exemptions for like antique and collectible firearms as well. So it's not clear that all of those were cops. They also noted that it had sent 213,804 notices to the owners of off-roster weapons, uh, which, yeah, suggests that like if we think of uh, that, the, the roster became a serious issue in, in 2013, right? So that suggested about 10,000... 10,000 weapons a year since the roster began in 2001 have entered the state that are off roster, which kind of kind of makes the point that it's it's a rather farcical attempt at gun control, right? But it, it still is that the the roster, which I don't think it, you know, you're fine, right? You can you can buy a very effective gun in in California, like as we have seen, like they they're very effective at killing people, but it, it does kind of make it a joke. That if you have enough money or a friend who's a cop, then this doesn't apply to you, right? Then you've over 200,000 of these guns, which are supposed to be like banned in circulation as long as you're wealthy enough to buy them. Uh, I tried also to PRA if any of these guns have been involved in crime or murder and they wouldn't 
tell me that. And <laughs> what uh, it's always worth pointing out that like the cops themselves are issued guns which are illegal for civilians to purchase, right? Or it's not possible for them to purchase them new, I should say. The, the off-roster guns are issued to the cops, right? So by definition, some of these guns have been used in the uh, accidental shooting of bystanders, uh, shooting of officers by themselves, and shooting of officers by other officers that have occurred in California since the roster began. And so the sort of by definition off-roster guns to kill some people. Um, so this isn't actually the only way that being wealthy can get you around gun laws. And I want to go a little further east for my next example. Um, I want to go, in fact, to, to a little town called Lake Arthur in New Mexico. Uh, any, if, if you guys, are you guys familiar with this part of the world? Not, well, not that specific. I've, I, 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 I lived in New Mexico very, very briefly when I was a small child, but not there, yeah. so... So... Uh, I've been using Google Street View. That's my uh, my, my dive to deep. It, it appears to be the back arsehole of nowhere. Um, and in Lake Arthur, they have one cop who it turns out was a volunteer and was being paid a dollar a year. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So this is this is where the problem starts. This guy is called William Norwood, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll issue a spoiler here that William Norwood is no longer a cop, nor does a department exist. Uh, <laughs> And that's because Norwood was running a scam that took advantage of something called LEOSA. Uh, LEOSA is the Law Enforcement Officers Safety Act. Uh, and what the Law Enforcement Officers Safety Act does is allow cops from any state in the union to conceal carry a gun in every state in the union. So this was a big hmm. deal. Yeah, I think you might be able to see where this is going. This was a big deal before the Supreme Court Bruin decision, right? The Bruin decision was the one that uh, significantly reduced the uh, impediments in between you and getting a concealed carry weapons permit. It didn't totally remove them, and it it didn't make it any less expensive, and uh, California seems to be going about trying to make it even more expensive, uh, which is bullshit. Like, everyone should have the same rights, regardless of how wealthy they are. Uh, But... If you were covered by Leosa, right, if you're a law enforcement officer, you could conceal carry anywhere. Um, so this is very desirable for some people. And uh, one of those people is Robert Mercer. Do you guys remember Robert Mercer? No, I do not. Okay, so Mercer is a big time Donald Trump appreciator. Oh, yeah, he's uh, that like super rich guy. Yeah. The, the Breitbart guy, the Cambridge yeah, Analytica yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, so- okay. Yeah, so this guy is rolling in it. Um and he yeah, he he was he actually hosted like a a, a like success party soon after the 2016 election. This this guy is definitely pivotal to the whole Trump scene, right? Like like his his bankrolling of Breitbart, of Cambridge Analytica. He, as it turns out, is also a cop in this little New Mexico town. Which is kind of weird, right? Especially when you consider hmm. that 150 other people are also cops in this oh, New Mexico town. Oh, it's one of yeah. these scams. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, <laughs> that's one cop for every 2.9 residents. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, turns out they're probably not doing much copying, uh, but they are doing at least a certain amount of volunteering. It's, it's actually unclear how much. So um, the, uh, the Lake Arthur treasurer was... Um, Bloomberg did some PRAs around this, and it turns out that Mercer was what's called an honorary member of, of the police department, but there, there are no records to indicate they actually did any policing. Uh, but nonetheless, he took advantage of Leosa, right? And, and thus, 
carried in all 50 states. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So these jurisdictions, there are several of them. Uh, Another famous person who's taken advantage of this is a friend of the podcast, Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Steven Seagal, who apparently has been a volunteer cop for a very long time. And uh, like, actually was doing some copping, according to a reality TV show he made uh, called Steven Seagal Lawman. You know, uh, the thing about that show, right, is it's like... Mm. Are you going to come out and defend the show? Are you you pro the show? Really? Here's my thing on this show, right? Like, obviously Seagal's doing stuff that's really messed up. 
but it's also unclear but, to me how how much but, yeah, worse yeah. what he was doing is than the average cop. Like, pre- like wow. probably what he's doing is <laughs> yeah, worse yeah. than the average cop, but I don't think it's like like I I don't I don't think it's as bad as like a, like a Chicago Special Operations Unit. <laughs> It's wow, like, I can't believe you just hey, came hey. out in defense of Steven Seagal. Being a cop, specifically. He has work to do to reach, like, the true upper echelon of, like, the <laughs> I don't really know, shitty man. cops. He, like, this is a man who gave his time freely to volunteer for Joe Arpaio. This level yeah. of apologism coming from you right now is, is simply shocking. I, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Seagal apologism. Yeah. <laughs> Seagalism. Seagal, yes, Seagalism. Yeah. That yeah. is that is what I was working my way towards, but I couldn't finish it. Yeah. So thank you for <laughs> delivering the coup de grace. Yeah. Me coming out with the some cops a bastard take scab. Uh, okay. So what what is uh, Garrison's Garrison's deceased? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they've uh, they've died. Okay, so these badge factories, like the ones in Lake Arthur, um, generally trade influence, cash, or connections for a badge and the right to carry a gun nationwide. Mercer and his son-in-law George Wells have supported the town generously. Um, so Mercer's kind of the best uh, investigated example of this, right? Because Bloomberg went after him. Um, Bloomberg the publication, not Bloomberg the dude. Uh, <laughs> He, that would be- he went down there personally to sort this one out. <laughs> yeah. None of the past old Bloomberg. <laughs> no, he formed an alliance with, apparently uh, at one point this, this police department did do a raid on a meth house. And I would love to see like Bloomberg forming alliance with the meth dealers of Lake Arthur <laughs> yeah. to fucking take on uh, Mercer. So um, if, if Bloomberg can take on 9-11 single-handedly, surely he can bust up whatever okay, whatever yeah, operations yeah. going down in new mexico 150 steven seagals <laughs> would you rather fight one bloomberg size steven seagal <laughs> and and yeah and, and, and don't don't bother messaging also, do not bother messaging me i know he wasn't the mayor during 9 11 that was the joke don't bother messaging me i already know thank you no 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 sign it's up at i wrote okay yeah yeah garrison's twitter again at i wrote okay he also famously dropped uh, staten island phil bloomberg you guys don't know about Staten Island Phil. I have not, not at all. No, okay, that's a, Staten Island Phil is a groundhog. This this will be in a bastards episode as well. So it's a second mention of Staten Island Phil for some people. Staten Island Phil is a groundhog, uh, similar to Puxatawney Phil. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, he lives in Staten Island, so and unfortunately, Phil. yeah. Well, would we say that? Yes. This, 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 second, second, pretty, pretty <laughs> disgusting take from Mia. Anti Staten Island. <laughs> Uh, this is this is, this is it, my this is my Mia gets canceled episode. Yeah, going back yeah, in yeah. time and getting rid of the Yankees, things of this nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Bill De Blasio dropped the groundhog on its head and it died. What? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Bill, really, Bill De Blasio wow. blames the groundhog for its reduced popularity. Everyone who's been the mayor of New York is such a it's weird a piece of type shit. of unhinged. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 it's true. It, it, yeah, Like, fucking, the current mayor just went on, like, TV today and talked about how he has this magic sponge that, so, 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 so <laughs> that he can wring <laughs> Yes, so that he can absorb despair and wring <laughs> the despair out. <laughs> what the 
fuck? Man, I I'm, I'm so sick. The, the only thing I saw out of New York was, was the whole, like, there shouldn't be any separation of church and state. That is so much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a sham wow for sadness yeah, in New it's, York. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a place. What a, what a town. All right, so if you're wondering how much it costs for Mercer and his son-in-law to carry guns everywhere, um, they paid at least... 93,000 uh to set up this uh thing called the Southeast New Mexico Police Reserve Foundation uh which Jesus. you know is doing the valuable work <laughs> of supporting reserve cops in Southeast New Mexico um, because <laughs> they are the thin blue line between us and uh people not being able to buy concealed carry permits in all 50 states I guess uh under its bylaws at least half the foundation's net dues were required to be paid to police departments who uh, whose reservists were members of the foundation. At the time of its founding, all of the members were Lake Arthur reservists. Uh, so, so, so just a good public, oh, public benefit, probably. Just money going around in circles. He also paid for Lake Arthur officers to get SWAT training in Vegas. Again, there is only one full-time cop, and he's a volunteer. So uh, th- some of the lads went to Vegas, I guess, and this was a donation that was probably tax-deductible. Um, <laughs> the way that this came out is when uh, a quote-unquote firearms expert from North Carolina got drunk and shot his brother-in-law in the leg. And people oh, were great. like, why were you carrying, bro? Like, you're a cop? And uh, yeah, from there, things began to unwind. A lot of the other clients for this place are people like bodyguards. Um, they they were clients, cops, volunteer officers, I should say. Uh, they're people who do close protection for wealthy folks, right? Um, and carry guns as part of that work. And I'm guessing it's their employers who are making these significant donations to Lake Arthur that probably allowed these people to be reserve officers, which allowed them to carry in all 50 states, which in turn allowed them to protect these wealthy people, right? So it's another, and like, it's important to understand that like New York, for instance, uh, declined before, this is before the Bruin decision, a concealed carry permit applicant from like an FBI informant who had taken down a biker gang. They were like, no, you don't need to carry a gun. Like, it, it was almost impossible for people, even if they were like helping the cops to get concealed carry permits in, in some parts of the United States. And like, California was very hard, lots of places before Bruin. Like, I think, was it Nancy Pelosi had a concealed carry permit or Feinstein oh, yeah. or something? Okay, this, this is the whole thing. Okay, so I, I, this, was, this was Feinstein. The, the, one of the other scams for yeah. this is uh, yeah. you can get deputized as a federal marshal. <laughs> so there, there's like a bunch like I, like Feinstein's rumored to have done it. there's like a bunch of like every like a bunch of sort of like California like Congress people have done this that like yeah. they, they they get they get deputized as marshals and so they can do this shit yeah it's, incredible stuff yeah it's, uh, so I guess what I want to come back to is that like all of these laws right all of these gun control laws um are circumventable if you have enough money right yeah. so if you want a nice brand new gun that doesn't micro stamp, it doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the magazine disconnect, and and like modern the gu- modern carry guns especially are a lot nicer than they were in 2013, right? They're smaller, they have a higher capacity, and you can put a little red dot sight on them if you want to. And if you want one of those things, you can have it in California as long as you're rich. And if you're if you're not, then you can't. And the same applies with this 50 state carry, right? If you want to carry a gun. All around the country, and even now with Bruin, um, states are not required to recognize each other's concealed carry permits, right? 
So I have a concealed carry permit in California. It's not recognized by any other states because California doesn't recognize any other states' carry permits. So <sighs> I can apply for one in Arizona. That costs me more money. Um, but if, if you want to carry in all 50 states, you can just make this donation to the cops, right? Um, you can... Almost all of these things, right? These, these aren't the only examples. Rick Mia cited the uh, the federal marshal thing. Another one is the NFA, right? The National Firearms Act. Yeah, Act. Um, which, like, essentially, it's not illegal to have a suppressor. It's not illegal to have a short-barreled rifle. Uh, it's not illegal to have a machine gun, actually. You just have to spend a shit ton of money to get one. Mm. Which, uh, Mercer has a collection of machine guns, I guess. So all of these oh. things... Yeah, it's great. It, it's fine. It's it's great that we live in a country with with two tiers of of yeah. rights for people. Those are those those machine guns are totally going to be used for normal, completely normal things like <laughs> yeah, come out yeah. of the armory in twenty years. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, a totally normal guy who will use them for normal stuff, and just I'm sure likes to like make holes in paper with his friends. And it's not problematic at all that like to be as rich as this guy is, you have to be a problematic dude. And maybe those are the people who shouldn't be having guns. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's uh, it's it's going to be poor people who who can't be having guns. And like, I think, regardless of what you th- and it's perfectly reasonable to think that like there should be fewer guns in this country. Um, it's it's perfectly reasonable to believe that. And I think like it's perfectly reasonable to think like, what the fuck should we do about the fact that kids get shot in schools? Uh, that, that's not an unreasonable stance at all. But uh, if the way around it is saying well only rich people get to shoot people, then that that's not really a solution. Like. It's just yeah. kind of the the appearance of one, and I don't think any of us, certainly if we if we're on the left, should should really support that. Um, and yeah, that, that's where we are in California, which is great. Yay! So that's about all we've got on this. If people are interested in seeing more about uh, either the Mercer case or the public records I have, uh, we'll probably we'll put them all up on our sources page. You can find our sources page uh, on the it could happen here website. And we put all our sources up there for all our episodes. So yeah, go check that out. Uh, anything else to finish off with guys? The cops having guns, bad cops being cops, bad cops. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about Steven Seagal, though, mate? This is a dramatic change of form from your earlier stance. Look, I, 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 I only your, ever your argued that he was slightly more violent than, 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 <laughs> yeah. than a normal cop. That was, that was the extent of my argument. He is only slightly more violent than a regular cop. She is flip-flopping on the some some <laughs> cops about it issue. Again, wow. you can send me your opinions on the police. Uh, she's on Twitter at IWriteOK. Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.